I was um, speaking in a prison in England a couple of weeks ago, and uh, most of my congregation there were lifers. They were in there for quite a few years. Uh, they'd been in there a number of years, and uh, a number of them had quite a, a long service still to serve. And I gave uh, a message, I hope, of hope to them. Uh, but one of the things I, I wanted them to really grasp was this. And these are the words I said to them, that the darkest moment in our lives may well lead us to the brightest. And I wanted to remind those guys that sometimes we're in situations where we think they're hopeless, and yet that can be the very turning point. So the very darkest period of our life we enter into can well be, well, could turn out to be our brightest. Certainly true with me. A number of you know my story. It was in my darkest, lowest moment that I found Jesus Christ. Never saw it coming. Never would have thought it would have happened through those circumstances. And maybe that's true for a number here today. In your darkest time, you found Jesus Christ. When all seemed hopeless, it was there you found the greatest hope. And often God delights to do that, to allow us to get into a situation where we have nowhere else to turn but to him. Well, I'm convinced that we're most likely to, if, if we don't discover the love and grace of God at those times, certainly to appreciate it. And even if we are Christians, it's sometimes when we're brought back to a dark place when we realise how wonderful it is to know Jesus Christ and in him an everlasting hope. It's often said that our extremity is God's opportunity. And sometimes we need to be brought to that place. Sometimes we're so full of ourselves. We're so full of our plans, so confident in our plans and in our natural strength that we need to relearn that without Jesus we can do nothing. Well, we're turning to John 14 this morning. And it seems to be, it's a very dark time. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, is surrounded, it seems, by ravening wolves. And uh, fear fills the air. And it seems to be that at a time when it seems all hell is let loose, that words of heaven are spoken. John 14, 6, I guess, is the, the heart of it. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that's the way into the hope we're going to have a look at in a moment. I don't know where you stand today. Maybe you've come in here this morning. You're not a Christian. And, uh, but maybe this is the greatest day of your life. And I don't know why you're here. But the doorway into everlasting life is open today. I hope you know that. There is a doorway into hope. A doorway into everlasting life. And for me, certainly going back to my days of alcoholism, I, I was a hopeless case. Some say I still am, but at least I'm saved. <laughs> um, 
But for me, it seems as if I was in a prison cell, a dark prison cell, and there was no door. And it seemed to be in a moment, a door appeared. And I went through that door, and hallelujah, that's the doorway to heaven. So maybe for you, there seems to be no door, no, no way out, no hope for you. Will you come to the right place? Because in Jesus Christ, there is every hope. No one need be hopeless while Jesus Christ is on the throne. And he is. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you dragged yourself along. <laughs> there is a devil, folks. There is a devil. If he can't rob you of your salvation, he'll rob you of your joy. Isn't it great to come in here? A place where God is loved, where Jesus is exalted, where people sing songs of praise and hope. And we, we talk together, we encourage one another, and then we go back into the war zone. <laughs> and this world is a war zone. So we're going to have a look at this time where, well, the context, it is the death, it is the departure of the Lord Jesus Christ is drawing near. The cross is drawing near. There, there's mounting tension. You can feel the tension in the air. The, the disciples, the followers of Jesus are, are edgy and, and they sense um, they're going to be uh, up against it. They, they sense they're going to be vulnerable. Um, the air is charged with uncertainty. Jesus had already informed them, but one of you is a traitor. And then another one of you is going to deny me. And in fact, he knew that within the next few days, they all would depart. They would all flee and leave him alone. So they sense this. These disciples, they, they, they sense that uh, these are uncertain days and, and they're tense. And perhaps they even feared that Christ would depart disappointed with them. Worse, um, angry with them. Instead, what we have recorded in John 14 are, are the most beautiful words of love and assurance. Maybe you need to hear those words today. You think God is angry with you. You're his child. You've let him down. You think God has written you off and yet... This is what grace is. It's totally undeserved. <laughs> that we condemn ourselves. The devil accuses us. But here's this abounding grace that comes through Jesus Christ. So we have these words in John 14. Words that over the centuries have been a comfort to millions. And I trust will be to us today. I've given it the title, Making Heaven Sure. And I want you today to be sure that you have this hope. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to speak about an everlasting hope, which he offers to every one of us. But you've got to make sure that you really have taken hold of that hope. Or to change the picture, that you have gone through that door that he speaks about as the way. So first of all, then, when we come to John 14, the, the Lord Jesus Christ speaks about a place. Verses 1 to 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. 
You trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms, plenty of space. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. But notice that. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, those were just the words they needed to hear. Because our hearts do get troubled. And this isn't just anybody saying this. This isn't a kind of, you know, pack up your troubles in your old kit bag and smile, smile, smile. Come on! Hey, be happy! You know, we get plenty of that today, don't we? Just be happy. Or sometimes Christians can come to you and they say, be encouraged, brother! But they don't give you a reason. <laughs> I'd like to be encouraged, you know. And so we need more than a few, you know, little taps on the shoulder. And a, Come on. Um, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God. This is God the Son saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Just those words. Allow, if you're a Christian here this morning, just allow those words to sink in. If no other words, let not your heart be troubled. Our hearts do get troubled, do get weighed down. The word here, troubled, it means distressed, stirred up, agitated, churned up. You know, we've all had those times. And we all get those times. Just feel churned up and distressed. No rest, just a... All we can see is trouble. We can't see any way ahead. And it's uncertainty, I guess, often uncertainty of the future. We, we want to know what's happening. We, we, we can't bear to be in the dark. We want to see the way ahead so often. We, you know, I think we're all born control freaks, really. We, we don't like being in the dark. We want to know. It was Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, nothing in the world causes so much misery as uncertainty. We hate to be uncertain. You know, we like to write the scripts of our lives, don't we, and have it all planned out day by day by day. <laughs> but life isn't like that, and so that's why we have to trust him. You trust in God, trust also in me, he says. And many people in the world, we're surrounded by people in the world today who have no hope for the future. No, I, I think if we're Christians here today, we, we forget the peace of God we have. We know how it's going to end. We know how it's going to pan up. We don't know all the fine details, but we know that Jesus Christ is coming again. And if God allows the sun to rise one more day, it's because Jesus is building his church. There are still men, women, boys and girls still to be saved, to come into the kingdom. And we know that God is outworking his purposes. We know how it's going to end. Christ is going to come back. There'll be a judgment. But for those who trust in him, it is glory forever. So we know how it's going to end. But often we get lost in the smaller things. I say they're smaller things. They might be big problems. But we lose sight of the big picture. Uh, and we, we lose our faith in the fact that God is working even this out for us. But most people don't have that hope. We're living in Britain today and um, someone said the first, the, the first um, 
culture to try and make sense of life without God. You know, by, by default, by default, most people are atheists today. You speak to many young people, and even if they're not atheists, they're not, they haven't thought it through, but the default position is, well, I'm an atheist, but no, I, I guess most are agnostics. But there is no hope, because they're taught, this is heaven down here. And people are just edging their way through life. They just, you know, despite all the bright smiles and all the fake happiness, even in laughter, the heart may ache, the Bible tells us. And most people are wandering through life. They have no plans of any substance. Now, I'm old enough to remember the Beatles the first time round. Anybody remember the Beatles? Probably Gracie Fields, some of them. But, uh, well, <laughs> the Beatles wrote a song called Nowhere Man. He's a real nowhere man sitting in a nowhere land making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Doesn't have a point of view. Knows not where he's going to. Isn't he a bit like you and me? Certainly that was my story years ago. A nowhere man. Wandering through life, staggering through life. No plans. Don't know where I'm going to. Most people are like that today. And um, our hearts should really ache. But here's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he tells them not to be troubled. He tells them not to be afraid. And this is the reason. is because I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is the reason he gives. Don't be troubled. Why? why should, Lord, why shouldn't we be troubled? Because I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going ahead of you. I'm going to get something ready for you. Um, I'm, go I'm going ahead of the journey. I'm... A friend of mine um, doesn't have long to go. He, he's, he's in the last stages. He's got an illness and uh, he knows. He, uh, he's known for some months now. And I, um, I, I love to visit him. <laughs> he ministers to me because when I go to see him, and he's got a terrible illness really, and I won't go into details now, but he's a very brave man and he, he's in a lot of pain, but oh, the joy. And when I go to see him, it's though he's planning a holiday. It's as though he's got the brochures out. You know when you go on a holiday, well, well, we'll visit there, and he's, he get, he's getting the brochures out, he's getting the maps out. He knows he's going to heaven, so he's beginning to, what, what does the Bible say? So, you know, and wherever I go, it, 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 it's, I don't want to be, he's not being glib, it's just that he knows where he's going. I went to see him Thursday, and uh, I said, oh, how are you, Clive? Oh, I'm okay, he said, I'm okay, and, no, so anyway, his wife came in, so I said, how is he? <laughs> and she said, well, Clive, tell him what you told me. He said, well, he says, I think I'm in the departure lounge now. <laughs> he's, he's even nearer. The time for his departure, I read from 2 Timothy 4, when Paul said, the time for my departure is near. But that's what it is for the saint. It's our departure. We know Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. He's gone on ahead. We'll catch a, a later plane, or you know, we'll catch. We'll see him later. He's gone to prepare a place. Heaven is a place full of certainty. We we understand that it's a, it's a home. It's the Father's home. He's gone to prepare, and so we're familiar with a home. We 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 love homes. Um, it's great to go on holiday. As we've been on holiday, have you? It's great to go away. It's nice to have a break. 
But there's no place like home, is there? You know, you, you come back and you, you've got a favourite chair, and you sit in your favourite chair and get the cat off of it. And you, you put your kettle on, it's your kettle. You can have a cup of tea when you like, you put your kettle on, and you can kick your shoes off, doesn't matter if there's a hole in your sock. You know, you can you have to smile all the time, you can be miserable. But you're home. We're longing for home. Since we were expelled from Eden, just Adam and Eve were kicked out of Eden. We're longing for home. We just feel this, this, isn't, no, this, is, this is temporary, this. There is a desire for permanence. And that's true of every person, every human being. You know, God has set eternity in our hearts. We know this short life. It's only a short life. We know it's going to end. But where are we going? We know we're journeying. But for the Christian, we're going, we're going home. And I, I guess it's a different situation for every one of us, but someone said this competition, competition in the London newspaper some years ago, and this is the, the winner, got the, the best definition. Home is the place where you're treated the best and complain the most. And uh, too much truth in that. But, um, but it is home. It is familiar. I think this is what the Lord Jesus is saying. It will be familiar. That there'll, there'll, be, there'll be change, but there'll be continuity. And so he's reminding them that he must go ahead. And it's the Father's house. But of course, you know, you, you've got to be in the family. It's a family home. It's a prepared place for a prepared people the people of God. That's why the Lord Jesus earlier in John 4 says you must be born again. We're born of the body, we're born of the flesh, but we must be born again. We must know God as our Father. Have you been born again? Have you committed your life to Jesus Christ? Have you given him your all? Have you repented of your sin? Are you trusting in that Christ has died for you and so you've been born again? He's changed you. We'll look at that in a, in a moment. But look at verses 5 and 6 because there's uncertainty here, isn't there? And it, you know, we, we, we want to make sure. And so look at these. Look at Thomas, good old Thomas. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So after the place, Jesus speaks about the path. In other words, there is a way to this place. Now, I'm aware that these words in our day are totally offensive, aren't they? Um, Jesus Christ is saying he is the only way, the only way home to heaven, the only way to the Father is through himself. He describes himself as the way, the truth, the life. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And we're always hearing now how offensive that is. Of course, it's always been offensive. It's nothing new. The gospel's always been a scandal. But this is the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, especially in our, uh, our uh, days of relativism, where 
everybody's right, nobody's wrong, you know. All paths lead up the same mountain, and it's whatever you want it to be. And uh, I was um, visiting a lady on the doors uh, a little while back, and, um, and she was a very nice lady, but it was this, well, it's whatever you want it to be. You know, there are many paths up the mountain, and uh, uh, I, I like to think that God is like this and like this, and well, it's whatever you want it to be. So I, I put up with this for a little while, and uh, I could tell she was a keen gardener. I looked around her garden, beautiful flowers and bushes, and right by the door is this beautiful uh, green bush with all, all its lovely little leaves. So I said, oh, I, I, I love this red bush. No, it's green, she said. Uh, no, it's red, it's red. Uh, no, are you all right? That's a green bush. I like to think it's red. You know? But you see, <laughs> it, it's this thing, we, we're living in days where we, there is no absolute truth. But we say, well, I'm sorry, but, but there is, there is a God of truth, and he's given his, his word of truth, and Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. Um... Jerry Hallowell, the ex-Spice Girl, or they're still around, aren't they? Aren't you glad they're coming back, the Spice Girls, reforming? Oh, made my day. Well, Jerry Hallowell, that great philosopher, said that uh, you got your truth, I got mine. But see how she's using the word truth? It no longer means truth, it's an opinion now. The word truth has been completely hijacked. But when we speak of truth, it is God's revealed truth. When Jesus speaks of truth, this is the truth. You can stake everything on it. It is absolutely rock solid. You can trust me on this. This is the truth. And Jesus is saying, I am the only way. And of course, he's going to die. Here is God coming into our world. There is no other way for sin to be forgiven. And when you see Jesus Christ hung up on a cross. What a spectacle. The one who spoke such wonderful words, his beautiful life, read through the Gospels. The most beautiful life ever. And C.S. Lewis, the writer of Narnia, the Oxford Don C.S. Lewis, said he was either a madman or a bad man or God. He was either crazy, the things he said, claiming equality with God, or he was bad because he was getting people to follow him under false pretenses, or he was God. He was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. So who do you say Jesus Christ is? The one who hangs on the cross, naked, bleeding, and they watch him and mock him, and he prays, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who is this mighty man dying? It is God. And then the Father places our sin upon him, the sin of the world placed on him. And gives him hell. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He who knew no sin became sin for us. And that was necessary because there is no other way to wash away sin because God must punish every single 
sin. Every single sin that every human being in all of history has ever committed will be punished. From the smallest to the largest, every single sin you have committed will be punished. For me, I breathe a sigh of relief because my every sin has been punished in Jesus Christ. And if you, Christian, you can say the same. Your every sin, past, present, even future, has been punished in Christ. But if you've not come to Christ, then you must bear that weight. And that is in hell. That is separation from God. But here is Jesus saying, I am the way. I'm talking about this wonderful place. And I've got to go to Calvary. I've got to die. Because I'm going to open up the way. So that you and through, and and we, (laughs) may go. You look a nice bunch of people as I look around. Young, old, those in between. But we're in two groups here this morning, aren't we? Those who are trusting in Jesus Christ as their saviour, those who are not. Those who know their sins are forgiven and those who are walking around with a great burden of sin on their backs, pretending it's okay. Come this morning, you carrying your load of sin, come today, say, Lord Jesus, I will trust you. This burden's too great for me. I can't keep running. I am the way and the truth and the life. And it is an offence. But it's the greatest demonstration of God's love. You know, when I came to Christ that day, and I don't want to keep boring you with this, but, you know, I went to work, a hopeless, dying alcoholic. In one moment, in a split second, hope burst in. And I knew that it was Jesus Christ who'd done it all. But why should God love me? That's what struck me. Why should he love me? I believed it. I knew it was true. But why should he love me? Absolute mystery. Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity. Grace unknown. And love beyond degree. There is no one who can love you like Jesus Christ. It's good to be loved by parents, by a spouse, by the boss. (laughs) But there is no love like the love of Jesus Christ. Because he knows the worst about us. And yet we come back time and time again to him because of the blood that was shed. Well, that was the path, but then the power. And these these last two points will be a lot quicker. You see, we don't just need forgiveness. I say don't just need forgiveness. It's an enormous thing. But what I say is that we we need more than forgiveness. We need a new power inside of us. How can me, hopeless alcoholic Mike Meller, just by saying a prayer, have the power to live a new life. Well, in verses 16 and 17, here's the Lord Jesus. He promises 
the Holy Spirit. He says, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor, another comforter, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Power to live a life beyond our natural ability. Getting back to those, those guys in the prison I met. Lifers, most of them had taken a life. And uh, they, they needed forgiveness, but they needed more than forgiveness. And, and I told those guys that I, I personally needed two things. Forgiveness for the past and power to live the present. There is no one that can live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. We can try. You can come to church. You can sing the hymns. You can act religiously. But we can't live like Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit coming to live within us. Um, and that's what it is. Lovely um, testimony about, from a gypsy I read. This um, man was speaking about how his life was changed because he saw his father's life changed. Listen to these words. No scientist is as sure of the working of any law. No mathematician is as sure of any axiom as I am that Jesus Christ came into my gypsy tent and converted my rough, swearing, pilfering father and turned him into a clean, tender, honourable, strong, beautiful Christian man. <laughs> you see, if anyone is in Christ, anyone becomes a Christian, they are a new creation. God doesn't patch up our lives. He makes you brand new. Don't you get fed up with yourself at times? Don't you? There's not many amens here. But at times, I, I, at times, at times I make myself sick. And my wife says, we're getting some sense at last. But, but you know, we, we even get fed up with ourselves. despite. But, but to know that I'm washed and cleansed and loved, and there is a power into me. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not what I would like to be, but I'm not what I once was. Because Christ is in the work. And it's a lifelong job, isn't it? You, you, you enter the Christian life, and it's a lifelong job. He cleans us up justification. In an instant, God makes me right with him. I will never be more righteous than I am now. I'm justified. But sanctification is the work of the Spirit that day by day by day by, until in heaven we're perfect. I'm longing for the perfect version. I know Gwen is longing for the perfect version of me. Aren't you longing for the perfect version of you? I know the person next to you is. But friend, it is God at work in us. It is the power of the Spirit that when we're born again, we receive God, God living in us. King of kings, majesty, God of heaven, living in me. No, we don't look much, folks, do we? Some of us are starting to crumble a bit. You know, but God, 
God in me? Christ in me, the hope of glory? So Jesus promises here that the Spirit's going to come. I'm going to leave you. But I'm going to send another like me. God, the Holy Spirit, is going to live in you. And he's going to make you like me. That's That's what he's promising them here. And then finally, he speaks about a peace. A peace that he alone can give. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled. There it is again. And do not be afraid. It is my peace, he says. It's not the peace the world tries to give you. And it does try to give us peace. Drink this. Take these drugs. You know. Buy another DVD set. but Buy some more clothes. You know. It, nothing works. It, it's a peace that comes from God. It's the peace. It's peace with God. It's knowing that God has washed away my sin. That the Holy God accepts me and loves me. That's the peace of God in our hearts too. My peace, he says. And can I say to you this morning that that's, that can be yours today. <laughs> that can be yours today. We're not just waffling a sermon here. This is God himself speaking through his word and says it's for you. Don't think it's for someone else. It's for you. Jesus says to you, my peace. I can give you my peace. That whatever is happening in the world today, my peace can be in your heart. So that's why he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. I've, I've had the joy, and I'm sure you have too, of seeing people come to Jesus Christ, sometimes in the most unexpected circumstances. And getting back to what I was saying at the beginning, sometimes in the darkest, most hopeless circumstances. But one I can never forget, and one that thrills me even now to think about, is when we were in Bridgend, and one of the elders' wives was a um, Macmillan doctor, And if someone was dying of cancer, wanted to see a minister, I would give her an invitation, an opportunity to go. So I went along one day, I was asked to see this this man in the Princess of Wales Hospital. He was dying of cancer. They put him in a side ward, a little side ward to die. And I went in and he was a very tall man, but um, skeletonically thin, just very grey and thin. And uh, Well, um, I sat at his bedside. And uh, at his bedside, there was a cabinet with a great thick book, like thick. And it was all the world religions. And he knew what he was doing. He knew his time was short, so he's going to try and get through that book and sort one out. I took one look at the book and one look at him, and I thought, he's not going to finish the book. So I just sat down and just in a few simple words told him that even though he'd left God out of his life all those years, and even though maybe he just dazed to to live, that Jesus Christ loved him. And he could be completely forgiven and have everlasting life. This is the gospel, folks, isn't it? It's a complete free gift. It's all of grace. Whether you come as a child 
when you last gasp, don't leave it that long. But So I just shared in a nutshell the gospel. I left him a little leaflet called Peace with God, and that was it. And we prayed, and I went. A couple of days later, popped back into the room. Wasn't sure whether he'd be there, but he was there, still grey, thin, dying. But his eyes were beaming with joy. And he said, I want to tell you what's happened. Well, I knew what had happened. A better visitor than Mike Meller had been there. And uh, had big hands. He took, he took my little hands in his big hands like that. And as he spoke. Well, I praise God. I, I told him actually what had happened to him. is <laughs> Jesus Christ. My peace, he said, I give to you. Well, that's it, folks. Uh, it's simple enough. A place Jesus spoke about, a path. He was the way, the cross, the resurrection, the power he gives to the Spirit and the peace he gives to those who trust him. Do you have that this morning? Do you have that? If you don't, Jesus says, come, come. Let's pray now. Let's just commit this time to him. I'll give an opportunity maybe if you want to come to that place this morning to turn from your sin, to turn to Jesus Christ. Maybe just pray this in your own heart after me. Lord, I do believe you are God. And I do believe that you are righteous and that I have sinned. But I do believe that you love me and that Jesus died for me. Lord, forgive all my sin. Please come into my life today by your Spirit. Forgive all my sin. And I will give you all that remains of my life. And as you give me grace, I will serve you. Amen. And we, Lord, who know you, and I've lived for you these years. Give us a fresh sense of your peace, we pray. A fresh sense of cleansing. A fresh sense, Lord, that we're going home. Because we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>